1: As the Orange hold off the defending national champions, they beat Clemson. The Bills make me wanna shout! McCoy in the backfield, takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle! He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone! Buffalo wins! Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block with Brent Axe.
0: ESPN Radio, 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. What's happening, Mohawk Valley? Great to have you on board. You can listen wherever you go, and by golly, go places today. Get outside, do, do the thing, get some vitamin D. Another nice sunny day here in central New York, so that's what the app is for, the ESPN app. You download it, there is a listen tab there. You find ESPN Syracuse, and off you go into the world doing big and beautiful things and listening to this program while you do it. So you're out walking the dog today. Maybe walking to puppy. Where's your puppy?
1: Oh, your puppy?
0: Summit's great, by the way. Continue to get the requests for puppy updates. Uh, it's, it's pretty much the same. She bites everything, and that, that's about the status right now. Really appreciate it if she wouldn't try to eat the leash every time we take a walk. But we're getting there. Progress, progress. She's a puppy after all. So if you're walking the dog or you're outside or whatever you're doing, please listen on the app or you can listen in the future on your time. If you want to listen via podcast, we do a podcast version of this program. And that is something that you can download via iTunes or Google Play and listen on your time. It's a beautiful thing. Here's how you get in touch with the program today, 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is two eight eight zero six four four. Those are the ways to give us your hot takes. That's hot. It's a hot takey kind of day. There's a lot of big meaty things going on in the college sports world, and some people with prominent voices are chiming in on it, and I want to listen to what some of those voices have to say about, you know, a problem that is not going to get solved tomorrow or next week or next month but it apparently will get solved in some way. Like, I think we're leaning that way. Is it just me, or does this feel different? Does this feel like the NCAA has gotten some sort of message that everything is happening in college basketball? This is just one agency, as we have noted. More will come out. More sports, I'm sure, will be drawn into this, and, you know, How is football just kind of whistling past the graveyard right now? Like, you know, things happen in football probably more prominently than basketball. So this is just the beginning of the road, and it feels like it could lead to some kind of change. Or, well, we all just forget about it when March Madness happens and just I want to focus on my bracket. The whole stick to sports thing kind of grows another branch there. It's not only stick to sports, it's that's all I want to Discuss, even when it involves sports, right? So we'll discuss that today. We've got hot takes on the way throughout the program and our normal segment that we do. We'll go on Bubble Watch today. All the bubble games every night. You're watching games that affect Syracuse one way or the other. Marquette beat Georgetown last night. As much as you had to grit through your teeth rooting through Georgetown, they almost pulled off that win. Also last night, Virginia Tech pulls off the upset over Duke, which perceptionally looks better for Syracuse, right? But it doesn't help them in terms of quadrants. It doesn't help them in terms of ranking. It just helps in that, okay, well, if you want to play the the Kevin Bacon game, well, Virginia Tech beat Duke and Virginia Tech beat Virginia and Syracuse beat Virginia Tech. Therefore, that win looks better. It doesn't help you metrically because Virginia Tech's RPI does not qualify them as a quadrant one win, which Syracuse only has two right now. But what are these quadrants really going to mean? So we'll discuss all that, a lot of hoops, a lot of bubble talk, and whatever you guys want to discuss today. But like I said, there, there's some good meaty things to chew on today. We ordered the spare ribs, and there's a lot of meat on these things, so let's mm-hmm. let's dig in. There's a lot of voices out there, as you can imagine, that are chiming in on what's happening with the NCAA. And these are topics that, it's almost like in sports talk radio, they, they circle back once in a while. I like to call them the break glass in case of emergency topics. Like when you reach a day, maybe there's not a lot of things happening in the news that day, or you're not coming off a game, or you're not in the middle of a bubble watch like we are with Syracuse basketball, and you can always lean on that and discuss that. You get real creative in this business when... You know, there's not enough going on that moves the meter, per se. There's always something happening in sports. There's no such thing as a slow day. But certain things resonate with people more than others. Certain things hit pressure points more than others. And in this town, what is happening around the college basketball world pretty much comes down to this. You are relieved that Syracuse has not been mentioned in it. So let's talk about the bubble, right? But college basketball, the state of college basketball, how the NCAA rules college basketball is certainly something we care about, especially considering Syracuse just went through this a couple years ago and got hit a little harder than some programs that you would think would have got the death penalty with certain things. So I like to be consistent with this topic. I have, I try to be fair about it, but it's hard when you know whatever word you want to use flawed, broken, corrupt cartel that the NCAA is. And that's not just because they treated Syracuse unfairly in some ways. It's just the way it's been. And I have said this is a slow burn. This is Chinese water torture. This is just, you've, it's one brick at a time. It didn't take one swing at the Berlin Wall and the whole thing came down. There was a whole lot of sledgehammers banging on that thing and eventually it fell. It fell. The systematic change in college sports, and we're kind of honed in on basketball, of course, starts there. Now, that's an interesting thing to bring up, because as I am always quick to remind, and you guys know this by now, but it doesn't hurt to remind, the NCAA in a way is the boogeyman. There's a physical structure in Indianapolis that's the headquarters. There's a president of the NCAA. There are people that work for the NCAA. So there's, there's a physical manifest manifestation of this. But the NCAA is the schools, right? It's not like there's this overlord office that overlooks everything. The organization is the schools, right? And its primary source of income is the NCAA tournament, of which we are discussing at length right now. Who's in, who's out. Syracuse finds himself on the bubble for, what, the fourth straight year. So we're very interested in that kind of thing. But this feels different. This feels like people care about it. This feels like they're interested in it because, as I have found in working in this business, one thing that I get asked about more than anything is, what's behind that curtain over there? What's this person really like? Give me a story about dealing with, I don't want to name any names, but that's what I get more often than not. I'm just, you know, hanging on a bar stool or see people somewhere and you kind of get into conversation. Oh, what do you do? Oh, okay. but And, and they talk sports with you. And then eventually it comes around to like a question in the form of what's so-and-so like? What's it like behind there? People want to know things where they can't go. And in this particular case, the FBI can go to those places. See, the NCAA for so long, and they still cannot go certain places. The NCAA has no subpoena power. The NCAA can't wiretap people. The NCAA, we think of them as law enforcement sometimes, like the way and and the power and the structure that they have. But they're just an organization that overlooks college athletics. There's only... so so far they can go so the fbi is going places they can't go and we're getting things like wiretaps and we're getting things that oh that's what it's like that's how you have that conversation the money flows through me and this is who does it and this is how they do it it's we knew this already right but to actually see it in front of our very eyes and that we're just scratching the surface i think it's kind of awoken people in a way that maybe they haven't before Because we live in a very visual society. It's one thing to tell stories, but it's quite another to see it. I can tell you a story about what it's like behind this curtain or what this person's really like, but until you experience it for yourself, you know, sometimes you're disappointed. like, oh, that's it, really? Hype and build up and, you know, presenting things more than they are. I mean, that's half the battle these days. Okay. So we care. There could be some change here. One voice that I think resonates in this town on a subject like this is Carmelo Anthony, because at the root of this problem, and there are many branches that grow off this tree, but the root of this thing I think comes down to one and done. One and done presents the biggest challenge here, because you have a lot of 16-, 17-year-old kids that by then know they're good at basketball, know they have reached a certain status, they have agents and a lot of hangers-on and, and blood-sucking type of individuals that want to ride their coattails. And they've been told for years how good they are, and they've gone through AAU, and they're smart, and they know how to market themselves. And they look at, you roll your eyes, but you look at how Lonzo and the Ball family and Lavar has marketed themselves. And they say, okay, I want a piece of that pie. The game's different now. It used to be you go to college, you stay for four years, and you get drafted. We had a caller on the show yesterday, just pining for the old days. I remember when Derek Coleman came here and stayed all four years and was the number one pick in the draft. That was 1991. 1990, actually, right? And Billy Owens followed that. He left early, but as a junior, right? And so it went. Well, Carmelo Anthony is one of the great one-and-done success stories. That college sports has seen. If you look at it from a certain point of view. Success in that. Syracuse got all it could out of Carmelo when he was here. And continues to. His name is on the practice facility. He is the most prominent alum. Arguably of the entire school. But certainly in athletics. He's donated money. Players. Plural. Came here as a result of him. He still resonates. Even. He was drafted in 2003. 15 years ago. It carries over generations. So. Right, wrong, or indifferent, people care what he has to say. So, with this being back on the front burner, oh, the mighty NCAA and paying players and these discussions we've seen to have before, but now are taking a, a bigger step forward. Carmelo Anthony was asked about it today, and here's what he said:
1: "I think, I mean, it's easy for me to say. I think the players should get paid. Yes, I think the the players should get paid. How they get paid, uh, I think that's something to be figured out." Um, I think it will only get figured out if the NCAA want to figure it out. If they don't want to figure it out, then it's not going to get figured out. Then you're going to continue having these issues, having these problems. Uh, College basketball will continue to uh, go down. Guys are not going to go to college. and, uh, and It's going to force the NBA to step up and kind of take that age limit rule out.
0: That's Carmelo Anthony, who was here in 2003. And the one and done rule is pretty much the same concept now as it was then but everybody seems to agree it's the problem. And it is, but hey, Syracuse got all they could out of the one-and-done rule. Everybody involved here, coaches, fans, school, player. Everybody cashed in on that in some ways, quite literally in in one way, but figuratively in others. Okay. Well, here's a guy who didn't need the one-and-done rule, is the consummate example of, Why would somebody like him go to college? And that, of course, is LeBron James. Now, you could put as much credibility into this as you want because LeBron James didn't play college basketball and has seen it on the outside looking in. But, look, LeBron James is pretty well-versed on basketball in this world, and he's got sons that are 10 and 13 years old. You feel old now, don't you? Who are heading down this road. They are, you know, not just by name. They're good players at their—I understand they're 10 and 13 years old, but— I think we all know that if I really wanted to, I could go on the Internet right now and find a list of the top-ranked 13-year-old prep basketball players in the country. And I'm not proud of that fact, but that's just the world we live in today. So he is going to have to make this decision at some point, and the one-and-done rule will not be around by the time his kids are 18. That being said, here is what he Opined on today when asked about the NCAA.
1: NCAA is is it's is, is, is corrupt. We know that. I'm sorry. It's going to make headlines, but it's corrupt. I'm not a fan of the NCAA. Uh, I love watching March Madness. I think that's that's incredible. I'm not a fan of how they how the kids don't uh, don't benefit from none of this.
0: There is much more where that came from. As I uh, try to remind you as much as I can when I play sound bites on this radio show. Please look up everything in context. There's stories out there. You can see what else he said. Okay, that's just one sound bite on it. I'd like to put some, some you know, literally some sound to it, some voice to it, so you hear his voice saying it, not just me reading it. But he goes on to say much more. Jalen Rose, Fab Five. Now uh, one of, I mean, the ESPN has put him in a pretty prominent position. He's going to be a big voice on Bill, not uh, Bill Simmons, he used to work with Bill Simmons, pardon me, with Mike Greenberg's new show, that morning show that's coming up. He's on NBA Countdown. He's got his own Jalen and Jacoby show, which is terrific, by the way. The podcast was great. The video show they do is great. So Jalen Rose has gone through this. Jalen Rose could certainly tell some stories back in the day about, you know, NCAA sanctions and payments and what highly prominent – college athletes are dealing with before they even get to college did you see the fab Five Thirty for 30 like th- he comes from experience from one side of it here's what he said
1: today how about this carrie they're basically running an organization like a cartel it's a district servitude. to what we're seeing take place a player wow. can't make money off of their own likeness they can't sign an autograph you're as a scholarship athlete, you're not allowed to have a job. Did you know that the NCAA is a nonprofit organization? It's actually a 501c3. Picture that for an organization that makes multi-billions of dollars off the backs of players and athletes and, and, and of that nature. So, again, the NCAA just continues to operate, continues to rake in the money. And, yes, it is a great opportunity to play collegiate sports it was one of the best times in my life but at some point we have to realize there are too many dollars changing hands the players mm-hmm. must be involved with these transactions
0: that's jalen rose former michigan star fab five now prominent opiner on espn and again we're attacking the boogeyman here the ncaa well they have to be the one that's motivated to make change because the players are going to take shots some of which have benefit from it some of which who did not, in the case of LeBron James, but everybody seems to agree, oh yeah, they're corrupt. That's just one thing to say. The cartel was pretty much an accurate description, inept at what they do as of late, given some, you know, schools that you thought were slam dunk to use a basketball term, NCAA sanction heavy, ready to go, just, you know, grab it off the shelf and, and put it in the mold, and they botch that. They botched Penn State. They botched Miami. They botched North Carolina. They were too heavy-handed on Syracuse. And what is so interesting to me, and I've got to get through a break, and we'll discuss this in a little more on Bubble Talk and more coming up, but what is so interesting to me is whoever it is that makes this statement, and it's an accurate one, will say, well, the NCAA does not have the resources to regulate what it is supposed to regulate. I mean, you're talking about an organization that's supposed to oversee, in the case of basketball, 350 college basketball programs, Division One, Division Two, Division Three. It goes even beyond that. That's just Division One. And what you always hear is they don't have enough staff. They don't have enough enforcement staff. They don't have. And I'm saying, wait a minute. Hold on. The NCAA's operating budget, what they bring in from the from CBS, from Turner, from one tournament, from one event is in the billions of dollars. And again, if you go look at the math of it, and I don't want to bore you with it, and really, but if you really study it, a lot of that money just gets turned right back around to run those prospective sports. I understand that. But when we're talking about billions of dollars with a B, there's not enough left over to hire a staff that can do this effectively, to hire former FBI agents, to hire people that are good at this. And it's not to say there aren't good people that do what they do at the NCAA. There are. I've talked to them. But they're the ones getting targeted here. Which is a nice out for the coaches that are breaking the rules that are there. And a nice out. And where it gets tricky is you can't blame these families and these kids for talking to agents and, you know, taking money and doing certain things. Not all violations are created equal. If an agent takes you to a lunch because one day he wants to represent your kid, I don't care about that. If an agent is funneling money through a head coach, as it is allegedly being done in Arizona, well, we got a problem there, right? So where will the motivation come from? To me, it feels like some change will happen, but who is benefiting from this, and do they want to change? I don't know if the answer to that is yes, but they're certainly taking a lot more you know, friendly fire, enemy fire, and a lot of shots from all sorts of places. I just played three of them. There's, There's much more out there if you want to see it, and coaches will continue to speak out. And be asked about it you know Mike Krzyzewski and Jim Beheim were after the game on Saturday that's only going to continue this is one of these things that even in a news cycle that moves on so quickly that will stick all right let me get to a break we can talk more about this we'll certainly talk about Syracuse's chances to make that tournament and whether you know that tournament and those thoughts will just wipe away everything we're talking about now stay right there you're on the block
1: this is on the block with Brent Axe
0: welcome back Well, you never know what you get when you hit that 80s bump. Let's go right back to the phone, shall we? 437-7644 as we talk Syracuse Hoops, we talk NCAA, everything going on there. We're going to give you the top five bubble teams and games to watch as well coming up here shortly. Right now, though, put out the bat signal, ladies and gentlemen, or as we like to call it, put out the pat signal. Because it's Pat and Syracuse. What's up, Pat?
1: Not in the best mood, Brent. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I think because we lost to Carolina and Duke, everybody thinks we, we got to win 10 in a row to make the tournament. I mean, be, between some of the nonsense I see online, I, I, have, I, don't, I don't want to be right. I want to get it right. So I actually take five minutes, and, you know, we don't have to do the research in, in this day and age. We just got to look, look at the people that have done the research. And I'm looking at a lot of these bubble teams like Butler, who is safely in, Providence, Creighton. They have less road wins than us. They have more losses and one more win in, the, in this Quadrant One. Okay, people need to understand one, one thing. The Quadrant One is one measurement, okay? It's not the be-all, end-all. Right now, we are lacking Quadrant One win. Clemson is going to be considered a Quadrant One win if we win that game. Correct. That is the must-win. If anybody wants to sit here and tell me for one minute, that if we lose to Boston College, the season's over, they're wrong. And I'm going to tell you why. If we lose to Boston College, we must beat Clemson. Now we're going to be forced to win at least two, if not three more games. And that would be an opportunity to get not one, but two more Quadrant one wins. So the way I'm going to dice it up is this. Boston College is a Quadrant two. We all know that. If we don't beat Clemson, yes, I think we're done. If we go one and one, Matt Park and Seth and everybody else can, can, can say what they want. But I'm here to tell you that if we are playing Thursday in, in Brooklyn, it's going to be another Quadrant One game. We win that game Thursday. I don't care what we did against Boston College. We will be in the tournament. If we beat Boston College in Clemson and win Wednesday, Tuesday, it, we could get stuck with Tuesday even if we go 2-0. So that's the unknown. But I'm telling you right now, if we're playing Thursday, I don't care what we've done if we beat Clemson. If we are playing Thursday in Brooklyn and we win that game, we're in the tournament. People say they got to win the tournament or they got to make the finals or the semifinals. No, you don't. We, we have a very good resume. We have no bad losses, and we have a lot of quadrant two and three wins, more so than the bubble teams. And if we pick up two more quadrant one wins, then what's people's argument? I'm all ears.
0: Pat, I want a slow clap after that call. That was, that was just beautiful. Now, where you're right is the quadrant one opportunities that come. Clemson, we know uh, the bracket as it stands today. If you beat what would be right now Wake Forest in round one, that does nothing for you. But Miami would be up next. Quadrant one win. So I got to correct you
1: right right there. Every win d- does something for you because it improves your RPI. RPI is one of the metrics used, so it will help you a little bit. A little Every bit. win helps. A little bit, yeah. It,
0: it Okay, now that's fair to say that, but like you said, the big potato here are the Quadrant 1 wins. Now, you brought up some other teams and their resumes. Remember, the reason the Quadrant system came into play, and you know this, of course, is to emphasize road wins. And Syracuse's two Quadrant 1 wins are on the road. But where I've got to disagree with you slightly, Pat, and I appreciate the call as always, my friend. By the way, I counted. There were 17 wheeze in that phone call. Seventeen. I had the over on that, and I cashed in. Where I've got to disagree with you is speaking in the definitive terms that you are. Because what we've learned the past couple of years with this selection committee is you can't, short of getting that automatic bid, even if Syracuse wins out, let's say, wins their last two and wins two in the ACC tournament. So that means you've got, in theory, two more Quadrant One wins. I mean, I think they're in. I would probably bet money if I had to that they'd be in, but to say if they split and then do the ACC tournament scenario that you brought in, it's a lock. I've learned the past couple of years that no, it's not. We thought it was a lock, and then it wasn't. We thought it wasn't a lock, and then it was. I mean, we've been all over the map the past couple of years. And you got to be careful about comparing Syracuse to other resumes. you got to be careful about that because no two resumes are the same. We could really go through it. I'm going to give you the top five here when we come back of teams to at least keep an eye on that may or may not affect Syracuse's status. I love the passion, though, and Pat, you know, say what about Pat. Pat's one of our more polarizing callers, and I say that without loving my heart. He does his research, and he's looking into it, and he feels strongly that that scenario will play out. Here's where I will somewhat agree with Pat, but somewhat disagree with him. He feels more confident about Syracuse's chances. If they split their last two, I'm not so confident there. I think they've got to win their last two to feel really good. But life on the bubble will do that. You think you know, but you have no idea, right? We'll do some
1: top five teams to keep an eye on and bubble games to keep an eye on when we come back. Stay right there. Thank you. Bye-bye.